1: Begin to be poured out upon all men. Wow. <laughs> 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 this is there spoken by the prophet Joel. This is there spoken by the prophet Joel. <laughs> <laughs> In the last days, I pour out my spirit, saying the Lord. had too much to drink. Need to set these trunk, he to said his men are not drunk, as she supposed. Here comes the preaching, and the wheel began to flow. They caught up in and and what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. I- Fills you with the spirit, you will speak with other tongues, that's still the way that the Holy Ghost comes.
2: Timothy Spell, and this is Pastor Bob and the Tell It Like It Is radio show. Good evening, and thank you for listening. We are broadcasting live from the studios of KDIX, downtown Dickinson, North Dakota, as we have done for the last 21 years, and we are being picked up by their website and also by Holy Ghost Radio Channel 2. I appreciate Brother Duran helping us. We've got people that are already texting me texting me before the program started waiting to listen. I appreciate that. We've got let's see who. Let me look here. We've got um we've got Lori in South Hart listening. What did she say here? Um her son Bruno reminded her to tune in tonight. We've got um Jody evely listening to Harvey tonight. We've got Let's see, Carl and Jeannie listening in Traverse City, Michigan. Luke Stoner listening on the road tonight, so he must be driving somewhere, maybe to work. Nathaniel listening up in Park River, North Dakota. We've got um, Yvonne and Marin listening in Bowman tonight, so far. Sister Brett's just tuned in, she's listening up in Kildare. Brother Griffith listening out in one of the ministers out in the Great Falls Church, Brother Erpolding, is the pastor there, a friend of mine and great man of God. See, we've got uh, Greg Johnson, Johnson tuning in tonight. Where's he at now? He's in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. So um, glad to have you all tuned in. Now, you can, you can be part of the program tonight, in a way. If you text me at 701-290-7862, I also get people that email me Occasionally, sometimes from out of the country, Robert Simons fifty eight at gmail dot com. Pastor Bob is Pastor Bob on the radio at church. They call me Pastor Simons. That's at the New Life Pentecostal Church, five hundred one Elks Drive, Dickinson, North Dakota, and we have our next service there Wednesday night at seven thirty. Sundays and Wednesdays are our services, and then we have a early morning Bible study on Friday morning for men, six a.m. We've got a new church in Bowman, North Dakota, which is to the southwest of us, about 75 miles or so, and that's in Bowman. They have services on Thursday nights, Sunday mornings. We have a church in Beach, North Dakota, and they, at this time, just a Tuesday night service at 730 in the Beach Community Center, but we do have a building there that we are slowly getting remodeled. The um uh, got Brother Bowles listening, loves our radio show. Good. We've got Brother Leverson listening tonight. Tim in North Carolina. Boy, they're coming in. The Vallejos and and their three boys. Are there three boys listening tonight, too? We've got, um, oh, okay, so that's Luke and Becky are heading to Texas today. Okay. On the road. We've got uh, just, and text me tonight, 701-290-7862. I like seeing these. Here again, I'm very honored that you would listen to the uh, broadcast, we've been doing this for a long, long time, and I really enjoy it. But I hope that it's um, it's something that that uh, is helping and reaching others. I don't want to just be wasting time and money on the radio uh, if we're not helping anybody. And of course, this radio show is set up; uh, it's a local radio AM station. That's our main audience. That's the that's our target audience. We're trying to reach this beautiful city of Dickinson, North Dakota, probably 25,000 people. And many of them have not experienced the Acts 238 message yet. And so this is just a way that we can reach out to them. And um, we've been doing this and, and trying to reach our city with this radio show for a long time. But that's not the only thing we do. I just got a text from our team that goes to the women's prison. And they what did they tell me here? They said that they had let's see, we had nineteen ladies total in their services. Um and, and so uh the Cazezas head down there. We get to start our jail ministry back again here. Soon, I hope I hope this Sunday that we get to start that. So anyway, I, I spent a little time just greeting everybody there. I did bring my guitar in the studio. I might I might play and sing possibly. We'll see how that goes. But um, let's just jump right into this. I'm going to be speaking about the uh, same thing that I spoke about in our church service today in Dickinson. And um, I'm not sure exactly how to title it. I am I could title it Skewed Ideas of God. I could title it Who is Judging Whom? I think, is my mom, mom listening? Did I say that right? Who is judging? Judging whom? It's not whom is judging whom. I think it's who is judging whom. I could title it that. But I, I want to just kind of jump into this Second Corinthians 5, verse 10 and 11. It says, the Apostle Paul was telling the church in Corinth, it's, he said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. And so I want to just talk about this tonight, make a couple points here. Um, Of course, we realize that God is the judge, and someday we're going to have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I know that the theologians out there, feel that that's a different judgment seat than maybe the judgment, great white throne judgment and revelation very possibly could be. But either way, God is going to judge us when the dust settles. And our life will be judged. Everything that's unfair will be fared up. Everything that's, uh has been hard to understand why God allowed it will get fixed. Uh, the judgment is going to Level the ground. It's going to fix everything. Uh, the, the greatest people after the judgment may not have been considered the greatest people in history. And the greatest people in history may not be considered anything after the judgment. God's going to judge us according to what we've done. And I know this, uh, you know, I, I'm just one of these people that I'm not going to buy into ignoring the vast, scriptures that teach this to try to somehow say that it doesn't make any difference what you do after you come to Jesus because it's all under the blood because the scripture teaches that God is going to judge us according to what we've done you know the book of Revelation chapter 20 talks about this great white throne judgment uh, Revelation 2012 I saw the dead small and great stand before God the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. Here again, this is just, this is not my main point, I'm not even to point one yet tonight, but but we will be judged according to our, our works for uh, Ecclesiastes 12:14 the bible says for god shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil Jeremiah 17:10 the lord I, I the lord search the heart i try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings Jesus reiterated this in Matthew 16:27 he said for the son of man Shall come in the glory of his father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And finally, Romans chapter two, verses six through eight, talking about God who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patience, patient continuance and well doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, eternal life. But unto them which are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness in indignation and wrath so god is going to judge us according to what we've done now we've got some skewed up stuff in modern christianity you know somehow some way these scriptures have been forgotten, and in some way, many people are thinking that someday we're going to judge God. Who is judging whom? In our text, we see the text that I originally read in Second Corinthians 5, verses 10 and 11, and we see that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But to many people, they treat God like he's standing in judgment, their judgment, whether he's done a good job for them or not, whether he succeeded or failed for them or not, in our opinion. You know, it's it's very often that Pastor Bob talks to people that don't understand God, that say they're angry with God. I quit serving God because, you know, my brother died, my mother died, my father died, my dog died. Um, You know, and I'm not trying to make light of things. You know, certainly I'm trying to make it sound ridiculous because it is. But somehow we have got to this idea that we're going to stand in judgment of God. Like, you know, when we didn't get our prayers answered the way we thought we should or they didn't get answered in time. And some of you listening are doing this right now probably. In fact, you probably just shut off the radio when I said it because you're under conviction you know this this um this an examination of God and what he does, and if he passes our tests, then we may consider serving him on our own terms <laughs> i mean let me say that again we we put God to an examination, and if he passes the test, then we'll consider serving him only on our terms you know and and like i say people tell me on a regular basis i suppose they find out i'm a pastor or whatever and i hear about their hurts and their concerns and why did god allow this why didn't god stop this you know they're disappointed with god they're disappointed with what he does but that is a skewed idea of god God is not standing in our judgment. We will be standing, and we are standing, in His judgment. You know, I like reading Isaiah chapter 45 out of the Living Bible, the NLT, just just because it brings it out so clearly, even kind of humorously. Isaiah 45, 9, for instance, through 12, it says, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their Creator? Does a clay pot argue with its Maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop! You're doing it wrong. Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, Why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel, and your Creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? I am the one who made the earth, created the people to live on it. With my hands I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. You see, we're talking about this idea that, you know, and, and I, I guess it's kind of uh, popular, you know, there's a bunch of Christian books written out of the, on this, you know, it's popular for people to be mad at God. And there may be somebody out there saying, well, Pastor Bob, you've never really been hurt. You don't know. Well, first of all, you don't know me. You have no idea about me. You have no idea what I've gone through in my life or what I go through even now. You don't know. But this isn't a contest about who's been hurt the most. I'm sure there are many people that have been hurt way more than I have. But I'm telling you, it's a skewed idea that somehow that I'll serve God if he starts doing what I think he should. That's messed up. And you can be messed up because we have free will, but that kind of skewed thinking is not going to get you anywhere (coughs) with God. Now, it may get you somewhere with the self-pity crowd, but you know i mean there's you know in this topic i'm talking about you can either be a victim or you can be a student you know because god is doing something i love in ezekiel uh 18 and then also in ezekiel 30 through 3 it's talking about uh, ezekiel says the same exact thing in both places but he says he says that if the righteous man lives righteously, and then he turns from his righteousness and does evil, the Lord said, I'll not remember his righteousness. And if the wicked man lives wickedly but turns from his wickedness and begins to do righteously, I'll forget his wickedness and don't even mention his wickedness to him again. And they told God, your ways aren't equal. Like, they told God, that's not fair, or that isn't right. You know, it's not right, God. That's not right. Well, I'm I'm telling you that that um, (laughs) it doesn't matter what we think about God because He is right. Text me tonight seven zero one. That was kind of a kind of a tirade, wasn't it? But God is not going to stand in our judgment. We are going to stand in His judgment.
3: Your life's out of control, don't you know? You got to have a made-up mind. Uh If indecision has pain your heart, hold on to the truth, make a new start, don't you know? You got to have a made-up.
2: Pastor Bob the Tell like his radio show. Good to have you with us tonight. Good to have my friend, Pastor Mike Woods, listening in Jamestown. We've got a big group, the Millers and the Hostetlers out in Beach. That's a great group of people. Raul listening with his family tonight. Hey, got a picture of you. Just He sent me a picture. Hey, it's a nice picture. We've got, uh, in fact, his son. Dylan is staying with us last few days, last couple weeks. We're talking about a bunch of stuff, skewed ideas of God. Just a couple that are mentioned that I want to just mention tonight. My text says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Second Corinthians 5.10, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, whether it that he has done good, whether it be good. Or what? according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord we persuade men. You know, uh, now, if you've been listening to this show lately, I mean just today, you're going to say, well, okay, so I can't stand in judgment of God. Well, what about when things are unfair? Well, let me just tell you this. Even though this doesn't make sense sometimes, but God is good. He's good god is good you know this <clears throat> he's good to his people psalm 73 one says truly god is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart god is good to people that that are pure and walking righteously in his sight that's why some of the goodness of god or sometimes when it seems like god is is not around or not helping, us because we're not on on the team. Like, we're not um, one of his children. We haven't been born again. We are not under his protection. Because the Bible said God is good to Israel, and I would like to say to not only Israel in the Old Testament, but the spiritual Israel, the children of Abraham through faith, that's us. And then of such, and you can't just belong to a Pentecostal church, but you've got to have a clean heart. And God is good. All things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And God is good to the sinner. The reason he's good to the sinner is because he's calling the sinner to become one of his people. <clears throat> so even though you might not be under God's protection, God is still reaching out to you. Romans 2 and 4, it says that, do you despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Like God is patient. God is, 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 uh, forbearing. He's, he's longsuffering. He, he, he's, um, you know, th- this, he's, he's good to the sinner because he's calling the sinner to repentance. Romans eleven twenty two. it says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou shalt also be cut off. So, even though we don't stand in judgment of God, I can tell you, I can assure you that God's nature is that he's good. You know this uh God's ways are pretty um hard to understand but his motives are good. So tonight how do we reach people with a skewed view of God? A God that hasn't met their expectations. People that claim they're angry with God. You know I I'm not trying to make fun of this situation. There is such a thing as grief, of course. And people, when they're grieving, will say all kinds of things, and I don't even think God holds it against them. That's my opinion. But, you know, people do say things. Uh, Job's wife, she was grieving. She said some pretty harsh things about God. At the end of the book, when God's telling, you know, Job's friends, and, Job, he's you know, he's on to Job, he's on to his friends, he never said one word about Job's wife. You know, God understands some things. He does. But this... How do we reach these people that have this idea that, you know, this lady I was talking about many years ago in our old church building, she came into church, she stayed for service, she had a terrible attitude. I had never met her before. And she met me at the back door, and she said, I won't be coming back, I'm angry with God because my grandma died. If there's a good God, why did my grandma die? And I'm not making this story up. But I don't know exactly what I told her. I hope I didn't tell her what I think I told her. I I, I hope I just was thinking this instead of telling her this. <clears throat> but your grandma died because grandmas die. That's why. All grandmas die. Every single one of them. And to say I'm not going to serve God because my grandma died. See, this is skewed. It, it's it's a it's a it's a, not a. It's not a biblical approach to God. Paul said, whatever state I'm in, I'm going to give God thanks. Now, so how do we help these people that have this skewed expectation of God? Well, I believe it's found in our text. So he said, we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then he said in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You can reach people by telling them about the love of God, and you can reach people by telling them of the terror of the Lord. Jude, verses 22 and 23, said, Some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear. Preach the love of God, preach the fear of God. Different bait, different fish. You know, the the people with the skewed idea of God, that God has got to somehow perform to their expectations. Maybe we need to reach them with the fear of God. <clears throat> because God is not your servant. When Eli, the priest in the Old Testament, when he perceived that Samuel was, was being talked to by God, he said, next time you hear the voice, Samuel, say this, speak. Lord, for your servant heareth. In American Christianity, we have, Hear, Lord, for your servant speaketh. We've twisted it. We've turned it around. We're commanding God to do what we think he should do. And it's messed up. It's skewed. See, we work so hard, and we beg and plead with people, Please, please serve God. Our church really, really needs you. Or somehow we try to convince people that God needs us. Like, you know, God really needs you in his kingdom. So why don't you do God a favor today and come to our church? And I'm not trying to be um, tell you that God doesn't want you. <coughs> I'm not even trying to tell you that God doesn't have a basic need for fellowship. I believe man was created be, with a free will because God wanted something with a free will to be able to serve him. But I'm telling you, you or I individually um, don't, God doesn't need us. But we need Him. See, I believe this type of evangelical outreach can cause such reoccurring problems in people's lives. When you try to convince people that somehow they're needed to, in the kingdom of god versus reaching people that they have a need to get right with god because if you start out on the wrong foot you will be so disappointed by god because he won't do everything the way you think he should and so many people have been offended from god by god because they don't understand god now i'm not saying i understand god but I do understand that I don't understand him. <laughs> and I think, and I hope you understand that. But there is, a, you know, th- there is a problem about who is serving whom. This is the opposite approach <coughs> that the apostles took. In Acts twenty four verse twenty five, there was of uh, the apostle Paul was talking to a guy named Felix. This is this is the gospel. This is the technique that Paul used with Felix. He reasoned with Felix of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. He talked about hell. And Felix trembled. Now, I wonder if some of these self-help evangelists and self-help megachurch people, I wonder, I don't know, maybe they do. But is anybody trembling in their services? If you're listening to me on the radio tonight and you're not right with God, maybe you're a backslider. I hope you start trembling. Because the Apostle Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Like, I know something. And this thing that I know causes me to, In the summertime, to ride my motorcycle down to this radio station and come in this studio, even though I got a house full of family back home, you know, I've got you know some grandkids and even a great little granddaughter back at my house. Uh, We were playing kings in the corner when I left, and I'm not I'm not trying to build myself up as this big sacrificial guy, but I'm just telling you, I've got other things I could be doing right now. But I know something. I know the terror of the Lord. Because I know this, I am trying to persuade you that you need to get right with God. God doesn't need to get right with you. You know, this, you look at through the scripture, like in Philippians 2.12, it says, Work out your own salvation. It doesn't say work out your own plan of salvation. You know, to be born of the water and of the Spirit is spelled out pretty um, straightforward in in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we're not working out our own plan of salvation, but we're working out our own personal salvation. We're seriously... Examining our lives, our motives, our actions, <clears throat> and the Bible says <clears throat> to do this with fear and trembling. Brother Tapia is listening to me tonight. Um, he did you ever start your radio program yet? The um, you know I, I'm wondering. He, he one time we went out for lunch. He said he he's um he's a, a missionary in the Minneapolis area, and he. He wanted to do radio. I hope he did start it. I'm not telling you this is the best way to do it, Brother Tapia. I'm not. But I will tell you this, that there is such a skewed idea about God in our world that somehow we have to break through this haze of telling people, if you come to our church, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. If you come to our church... Uh, You can beat your addictions. If you come to our church, we can put your marriage back together. If you come to our church, we can help you straighten out your kids. You know, if you come to our church, uh, you will, you know, prosper and, and own a nice house and maybe your own business if you come to our church and drive a new car. Now, I'm not telling you that stuff isn't true. When you give your life to God and get your head screwed on straight, the things in this world do work a little better. But is that why we come to God? I mean, do we come to God so that we can be successful in this life? Or do we come to God because we've got a problem with God? He's got a problem with us. You see, somewhere, some way, somehow, you know, I, there was a, I remember one time I was in an email debate with a Pentecostal preacher from somewhere in Florida, and he told me that kind of preaching is not going to work, the kind that I'm doing right now. That's not, not, you're not going to reach people today like that. <laughs> you're going to have to tell them how God can fulfill their needs. Well, I'm telling you, if that's the way you're going to do it, you're going to end up with people in your church, but a lot of problems. Because God is not our servant. You don't snap your fingers and tell God what you want. You don't. And he won't. You know, he, you know, he, you know, he, and he is not, uh, It. you can criticize him, you can scrutinize God all you want to, but it's not going to do any good. This, <clears throat> the, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You know, the, the, the Isaiah 66 six two said, God looks the man who trembles at his word, Jesus said this. They were Jesus was telling them. He said, "Don't don't fear." In Luke chapter twelve and verse four, you don't don't fear him that can just kill you. Don't don't fear him. But in verse five, Jesus, you can just see him getting really stern and really serious. Like Jesus probably wasn't smiling when he said this in Luke chapter twelve and verse five. But I will for. Forewarn you whom ye shall fear, fear him, which after he hath killed, hath power to cast unto hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. This is Jesus talking. This isn't this isn't somebody in the book of Deuteronomy getting ready to stone somebody. I mean, this is in the New Testament. Whew. I'm getting a lot of texts tonight. I'll have to stop and read them here. Let me, let me play a little bit of a song, and uh, I'll, I'll kind of catch up on this. is Pastor Bob to Tell it Like It Is Radio Show. We've got about, oh, 25 minutes left.
4: Such a pretty picture, soften it up and make it light. They don't paint the cross of Scripture, they just can't seem to get it back. There he hung in agony, giving himself for you and me. On the cross alone he died, shedding blood. Shedding blood, the the Blood was red, the pain was real I can't imagine how it must feel To be nailed to a cross, such an unfair deal Blood was red and the pain was real Blood was red and the pain was real Could have been you and me hanging on that cruel tree. It was us who caused the shame. We're the ones we're to But He came and took our place for the Lord of sin to Bound by sin to Calvary's tree. Shed his blood to set us free Shed his blood to set us free and the Blood was red, the pain was real I can't imagine how it must feel To be nailed to a cross, such an unfair deal. Blood was red and the pain was real Blood was red and the pain was real Sending into heaven, he set the free. Such a pretty picture. Soft it up. And make it light. they don't paint
2: the cross of Scripture. For you that are mad at God out there, I'm not sure what you do with the cross of Jesus Christ. Because he was willing to lay his life down for all of us before we knew him, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Pastor Bob, tell it like it is radio show. We're talking about maybe the two sides of God here. God, there is something called the terror of the Lord. Paul said it, and I know it. I believe it, and because of it, I'm trying to persuade men. See, this is bigger than Pastor Simons, Pastor Bob. It's bigger than the United Pentecostal Church or the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship. I belong to both of those, by the way. I, I'm a member of both of them. Both of them have great organization and great um, outreach. And uh, United Pentecost Church, and both of them have missionaries all over the world, so I'm part of both of them. But this is bigger than that. It's bigger than the ALJC. It's bigger than all of the oneness organizations. <clears throat> We're talking about your relationship with God, not with our church here in Dickinson Not with what my opinion of you is, but we're talking about what God's opinion of you is. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. See, I believe that God's call, Brother Greg Johnson said, some people say they don't believe in eternal security, but then they live like they believe in it. In other words, they gave their life to the Lord Got the Holy Ghost, you know, twenty years ago, but they're not really doing right now, and they just assume they're saved. See, I believe God's call and continual and continued serving of God should involve a holy fear of God coupled with an appreciation and a marveling of his grace towards us. There's a song in our songbook that says, Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I? You know that to the cross he'd go. The answer I may never know. Why he ever loved me so that to an old rugged cross he'd go. For who am I? I hope I never quit thinking about it. I hope I never think I have this right or or I'm so important in God's kingdom that uh, he you know that I I'm indispensable to God. I hope that I will always remember that, like, how did I get here? What great thing did I do to be exposed to this truth? When, when the uh, people of God threw the lifeline out to me, and I had enough sense to grab onto it, they pulled me in and they resuscitated me and they taught me and my, you know, <clears throat> had a good pastor and. Pastor Walters, David Walters, um, you know, helped me so much. You know, of all the people that could have heard this Acts 238 message, why me? You may not believe in luck, but I feel like I'm awful lucky. I feel like of all the people in this world that didn't know, of all these people in the world that got hungry for God and got tied up in some kind of False teaching about God, why didn't I get tied up in that? see i don't know the answers to these questions I'm just throwing them out, but I marvel about them i I'm like like overwhelmed by it like like why me and now my family knows about this. My grandchildren know about this, you know. David, King David penned some words in uh, Psalm, I think it's Psalm 122. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And part of the reason I believe David wrote those words is his mom or his great-grandma, Ruth, was a Moabitess. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, God had something against the Moabites and the Ammonites. And to the fact, in Deuteronomy 23 and 3, he said an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord even till their tenth generation. In other words, if somebody moves from Moab and wants to become one of God's people in the Old Testament... They got to wait 10 generations to enter into the congregation. David was fourth generation from Moab. No wonder he said, whoever invited him in to come into the house of the Lord, no, no wonder he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, this, this, uh, there, there ought to be uh, this this overwhelming, there ought to be a holy fear in our lives. Oh, you say, what, what, what should I be afraid of, Pastor Bob? <clears throat> well, we need to have a holy fear because we haven't got to heaven yet. We're flesh. Pastor Bob's 63 years old. I'm living for God. I'm serving God. I don't want to fail God now. You know I, I yeah, I've got a fear of sin, don't you, John Wesley said, if I could find ten men that would love nothing but God and feared nothing but sin, he said, I could shake this old world, and <laughs> that's something you know I, you better love God, but you better fear sin because sin's deceptive you know you better you better keep your head in the Bible and keep your ear tuned into God's spirit. You know, there there is, I know something. I know the terror of the Lord. <clears throat> there there is. There's a real place called hell. I don't know where it's at. Some people think it's in the center of the earth. I really don't, but some people think it is. <clears throat> but there's this real place called hell because of this. And here again, I'm not the judge, but the judge told me, to go into this world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, somebody said, well, pastor Bob, why don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about the love of God right now? You know, I, I don't want to say it. Well, maybe I will say, you know, you gotta get your ears turned on here. You know, Your your skull's too thick. This is the love of God. The love of God is that mankind is born lost. They have to be born again. The love of God is people persuading you to obey God. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men and women. This is talking about mankind. You know, this, the love of God is all over this verse in Romans. I know something that makes me want to persuade people. And I'm looking to see a spiritual reset in the people's lives that I'm trying to help. You know, I'm looking people come to our church altars with crushed cigarettes, broken TV sets, and God-approved internets. (laughs) I was going to write a song about that. That kind of—I mean, that's kind of jivey. Crushed cigarettes, broken TV sets, God-approved internets. I can't think of anything else to go with it, though. But this, this, this is the love of God. The grace of God is the warning to get right with God. <laughs> the grace of God is not where you can just do whatever you want and God's just going to overlook it. The grace of God is that he tells us he shows us like don't do that, like the grace of God when when you read these big lists of sin in the New testament and in, in Galatians and you know you know you know know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, and then he mention, mentions like homosexuality drunkenness uh he mentions all kinds of things there you say oh that's that's so harsh, no, that's so loving, God's telling us. You know, don't go down this road. That's not the way I want you to live because I love you. I'm trying to help you. You know, when I hear these backsliders with the crummy attitude saying, I felt so judged when I came back to church. Everybody was staring at me. Listen, backslider, everybody's staring at you because they're wanting you to make a move to God. They're wanting you to surrender your life to God. They're staring at you. Maybe maybe they're not. It's probably in your head. But they're praying. They When we see a backslider come to our church, we all start praying for him. It makes our day at the New Life Pentecostal Church. I mean, you know, you're, you're the star of the show. But you're going to have to make a move to get right with God. Speaking of church, Pastor Bob, or you know, if you live in this Dickinson, North Dakota area, Tuesday night in Beach, we have a service at seven thirty at the Beach Community Center. Uh, for the people in Beach listening to me, I just got a text from Brother Blackshear. He's not going to be here till Thursday, so things have changed. He's not preaching in Beach on Tuesday. He's not preaching in Dickinson on Wednesday, but he'll be here Thursday. Now, Tuesday night in Beach at seven thirty. Beach Community Center, Wednesday night in Dickinson, 501 Elks Drive. Prayer at 7 o'clock. Um, we have a special prayer room that some of us gather in. I encourage everybody to do that. And then and then at 7.30 is our worship service and preaching, Bible study, whichever direction we go. It's Sometimes it's a little of both. Uh, Thursday night in Bowman, we have a church on 18 North Main Bowman. In fact, Sister Yvonne and Sister Marn are listening from that church tonight. And then they have services Sunday mornings at 10.30. We also have a men's Bible study at 6 a.m. every Friday morning at the New Life Pentecostal Church in Dickinson. Our Sunday services are 10 o'clock Sunday school, which also has adult Bible classes. And then 11 o'clock is our worship service. And so that's um, that's every Sunday. So... Just kind of throwing that out to you, and we have a church in this area up in Beulah. We've got a church up in Newtown, and so, and of course Bismarck and Minot, churches in this area. We've got churches. Amanda, and there's a Pentecostal church. So we've got churches all over here that I can get you in touch with. Tonight there is a there is there needs to be a reset in our lives. We need to get rid of this skewed idea of God and realize that we've got to get right with God. Hmm, didn't know if I was going to get to play this guitar or not.
5: So much wonder, so much wonder, so much wonder carved in your coral seas, so much wonder shaded by ancient trees, I consider All your hands have made every newborn's eyes, every new sunrise. No power can tame your presence, no light can match your radiance. So much wonder, so much wonder. Let all creation sing in wonder. Every sea, every creature, every star, you open up my eyes to wonder. What a vision, what a wonder you are. So much wonder, ordering time and tide, so much wonder, bridging the great divide, I consider. All you had, all you gave, all that you endured for this rebel world, what a wondrous cross you chose to bear, what a wonder you'd even care. Let all creation sing in wonder, every sea, every creature, every star, you opened up my eyes to wonder. What a vision, what a wonder you are Let every rock cry out Let every knee bow down You opened up my eyes to wonder What a love, what a wonder you are No power can tame your presence No light can match your radiance. Such a wonder. Such a wonder.
2: And Lord Jesus, tonight as we close this broadcast, God, I pray that you'll help us to veer away from our skewed ideas about you and and trying to figure you out and try to examine you and try to hold you to some kind of judgment. But, Lord, let us spend our days just in wonder, God, and and just amazed about what you do and how you do work all things for good to them that love you. And, God, I pray that you just help us never lose the appreciation of how we came into this church of yours and how you sought after us and wooed us. We just pray in Jesus' name. Pastor Bob, we've got another... Tell it like it is. radio show under our belt here tonight. But God loves you so much that he's trying to persuade you to get right with him before it's too late. Jesus, when he came to this earth, was simply God the message. That's what John chapter 1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word... Became flesh. And God the Message has been reaching for you, trying to get you to do what He wants you to do to be saved. Lord willing, we'll be back next Sunday night for another Tell It Like It Is show. God bless and enjoy this last Lance Appleton song called God the Message.
6: Walked away.